Hello everybody and welcome back to Eyes the Mize. My name is John, that's Ian. Fresh back from PAX and I haven't caught the plague dot 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 yet. It's, it is It is that time of year though. It's, well, it's two days later. Usually you start seeing symptoms around the end of day two post-PAX. So I should be okay. So I will say this. To date, and I like using the whole like, oh, you do it, you're going to drink yourself. No, no, no. I make sure they say, from this point previous, I have yet to get PAX Pox at the like four or five PAX that I've been to. There you go. So we'll see. It's all about the liberal use of Purell. uh, I actually lost mine. Uh, oh, midway, no. midway through day two. Oh, it just oh. basically became like, oh, I'm passing by a bathroom, hump inside, wash my hands. Like, yeah. literally, that's what I did. Um, that, that would do it, too. The reason why I mentioned PAX is because it's part of our episode today. John, what are we doing? Yeah. This is episode 106, uh, Ultimate Ascent, the final RPTQ, because uh, this upcoming weekend is the final round of RPTQs and probably the last ones ever, depending on how Wizards changes up their organized play. Yeah. And ultimate ascent because ian got to play ultimate masters up at pax unplugged heck yeah i played in the first event actually there you go uh, so it was actually one of i think it was i mean i don't know if they did one at the jeep at gp shizuoka or not if that might have been te- have, that might have been technically the first because you know fun with time zones actually depends if they did on friday because mine was was on friday and the yeah whatever anyway i did uh, a sealed event uh, do we have any community stuff? Didn't really think uh, so. Not really for this week. We have GP Portland coming up this weekend, though. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of sad. Oh, and SCG Con. I might actually go down to SCG Con this weekend. It depends. Yeah. I I was trying I to have people... I understand that Roanoke is supposed to get like eight inches of snow on Sunday. Oh, really now? <laughs> Apparently. I should probably check the weather. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the plan was going to be like I'd head down Friday night. Um, yeah. Find somebody, be like, yo, I need a room for Friday night, hang out uh, most of the day on Saturday, and then drive back late Saturday night. Just because it's like a three and a half hour drive, but just going for one day, eh, I don't know. It depends. I miss my SCG friends because that SCG Baltimore happened this past weekend too. Oh, by the way, uh, it's a Phoenix world and we're just living in it. Yes, that's true, because we had... uh, literally won the Moderns and Standard events. It won the Modern Open, it won the Modern Classic, and it won the Standard Classic. Yeah, it's a a decent card. It's very powerful if you build around it correctly. Funnily enough, there's kind of a push for the Drake decks. I think we should have a delineation, honestly, because a lot of people go, oh, it's Is It Drake's, but it's playing Phoenix, and there's just a Drake's deck without the Phoenix, so it should be Is It Phoenix and Is It Drake's. Honestly, that that's reasonable. my that's my personal opinion because I'll look for is it Drake list and be like, oh, there's no Phoenix in this list. Oh, there's a Phoenix in this. I how it's like how can I discern this just by clicking on the name? So yeah, it it should really honestly just be okay. Are you playing Phoenix? Fine, you're a Phoenix. Playing Drakes with no Phoenix and Niv Mizzet in the main. Fine, you're you're Drakes. So yeah. and congratulations to Ross Merriam for winning the uh, winning the open. Yeah, with, with is it? I mean, there's also red. Phoenix, Monterey Phoenix, but that's well. I mean, the finals was is it Phoenix versus Runaway Phoenix in, in Modern. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I made sure I actually picked up my copies on Magic Online. Finally, <laughs> I had been resisting, but I'm like, no, I need to do this now. So there you go. Anywho, anyways, Pax. So ultimate unplugged. So ultimate Matt, Pax unplugged is the for those of you who didn't know, it was in Philadelphia, good old Philly, Philly. This past weekend ran from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It is their board games slash tabletop gaming packs uh as evident by the unplugged dude i've been saying like unlimited i've been like getting the u words mixed up lately like packs unplugged and like unlimited masters and ultimate masters i've been like confusing all three of the u's it's been weird anyways <laughs> uh, so <laughs> wow anyways it real tonight uh, <laughs> yes it was a uh, the first sealed event that i did was on friday at noon and my rares from it were Raya Dawnbringer, Squee Goblin Nabob, Revelark, Thespian Stage, Emrakul, and Spoils of the Vault. Oh, and also a Foil Golgari Grave Troll, because they're ultimate packs. Oh, PSA 
for those of you who are out there wanting to do pack one pick ones of like, you know, let's look at the commons and the uncommons and the rare. It's in reverse order. Ooh. It goes token, going or going down, looking at the art up, token, foil, rare, uncommons, commons. So you're going to have to flip them over and or at least just kind of like, quote unquote, mill off six cards off the top of the, the pack. It's a mystery to everyone. Yeah. So it's just be aware of that if you're opening packs. I know I think I've already saved two people. Like, oh, I was going to do like a pack opening and I was going to record it and I was going to ruin the first pack. I'm like, yeah, saved yourself on that one. That said, it's an interesting format. Uh, the pools seem that my pool is kind of weird in that my white was basically non existent. It had a couple of auras in it and that was about it outside of like the two rares. Like, I had Conviction, Hyena Umbra, um, Tethmos High Priest, Wingsteed Rider, Fiend Hunter, Lotus Eye Mystics. A couple repel the darknesses resurrection it just didn't seem like enough that was decent there really to it was weak mm. nothing kind of thing red was just meh i was i was looking at trying to ramp i had like a couple generator servants and a couple other things that would let me uh i had a desperate rituals and stuff like that so it's kind of like eh, no it's red doesn't ramp <laughs> i wanted yeah, to, i wanted to play emrakul but i wasn't going to <laughs> so instead i noticed i looked at a lot of my blue and my black, and I had a lot of graveyard themes. So blue is kind of split where there's like some cards that want to do like court my control and a flying, you know, the the blue typical blue white skies kind of thing. But I had a lot of the the self mill cards in there. I didn't have a whole lot of the madness enablers like discard for black. So I just went straight up sultai mill, touching on green for specifically Golgari Grave Troll. So. I could get the hard cast on it, which I actually did a couple times with nothing in the graveyard. Yeah, five mana discard Gorgora Grave Troll. That was a weird play. My opponent's like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, I just did that. <laughs> Next turn, Dredge Six. Ha ha, got him. Uh, I had a Fecundity and a Hooting Mandrels, which was decent considering my deck. The Fecundity was great in the fact that my deck was specifically designed to have a bunch of cheap creatures that just chump off to protect my Windcon, which is Lab Maniac which I had one of, but I also had a death denied just in case it, it got milled off in the like two crow of dark tidings, the Golgari thug that I had for dredge. So I had like 10 dredge available between those two cards. I had a soul tie skull keeper, a couple other cards that could dump in the yard, like the mirror guild mage, which also could discard and help me draw a card uh, to win. Think twice to help me win there. Deranged assistant would help me mill. I had, unfortunately my remove my removal suite was, uh, make your opponent sacrifice something. And my first round opponent played like basically green, white auras, but it wasn't quite boggles. They had, no, they had a boggle, but I killed it. Mm. Um, but they stuck, that always feels good. they stuck pants on a Sagarda. Oh, it was a nine, nine flying hexproof vigilant first striker that they couldn't sacrifice things. <laughs> yeah, no, so I literally, first mistake. I literally had no targeted removal. So I was just like, Hmm. I had to try to mill myself out, which didn't work. But I had a lot of cards that worked with the graveyard, uh, like Ghoulclaw's Accomplice. I put two of those in there, just the, the the bear that when it's in your graveyard, you can pay for and exile it to put a 2-2 two -two into play. So I had ways like to utilize my graveyard, cards that worked well in my graveyard um, with flashback and such. So it wasn't terrible. I had a Counter Squall, which would have been like good, but I drew it like the turn after he, the, my turn after my opponent played her. I actually did get a two. I get a. I got a lab maniac win and a aggro win against an opponent, and then I got another. My opponent was going to real, realize that I was going to actually win with lab maniac in a turn or two, so he just scooped to go to game two, and then I went one one and one, and then that opponent we basically knocked down drag out. I got to maybe three cards left in my library, cast the death denied to try and target my lab mania to get it back and they counter my death denied and i'm like yeah i can't win this game because they were like 18 life so yeah it's one of those my deck wasn't attacking unless i like curved out perfectly on them and they did nothing which my opponent flooded out when i did get my aggro win but that said i got six packs so did you want to do a crack a pack of guilds yeah, let's go ahead and uh, lead with one of them so ultimate masters just to kind of wrap up it seems kind of fun i don't think i will play sealed in it again it's definitely a, a draft designed set 
for sure. The yeah. um, you can end up with some payoff card. It's too risky in sealed to end up with some payoff cards and not have the uh, you know, the end thing. For instance, like I said, my rares. I had a, a thespian stage. The person to my right ended up with a dark depths in one of their packs. Ooh. They also ended up with a Goryeo's Vengeance in one of their packs, which would have combo nicely with my Emrakul. All right. And the person to my right had it through the breach. So, oh, and Spicy's pack that I heard somebody open because it, it kind of had a pseudo. Um, we knew what the cards were, but kind of like, oh my god, these are really crazy cards. Like, what'd you get rare? What'd you get rare? Somebody had a back to basics foil, back to basics pack. Nice. So that's like a couple hundred bucks for them. So anyway, nice, John, nice. I have six packs, and there's a double Vraska. But I have Demir, Aurelia, Rao, and Amaro. Okay. Take a pick. So we're, pack, uh, we're picking the packs. Let's go with uh, Vraska. All right. Which one? I have one. Uh, left hand or right hand? Right hand. Okay. I had two Vraska packs. Yeah. All right. Open the pack. Oh, wow. That's a good card off the top. So we got a soldier token and an Is It Guild Gate. Right. All right. First card Healer's Hawk. I mean, that card is very good. Yeah, that's why I said first card on top. Uh, Wisconsin Crab? Uh, Not really into that one, no. Get your cheese. Not first pick. I'll take one like sixth or seventh pick if I'm in blue. Yeah, I'll take it later. Sure Strike. One in a red instant target creature gets plus three, plus so, gains first strike till end of turn. Card is very good, but not right here. Collar the Culprit. Three in a white instant destroy target creature with toughness four or greater. It's like Smite the Monster, so you can usually pick it up a little later, but you don't want to neglect them. Yeah. Like, you, don't, you usually want one. Yeah, you don't want to neglect them, but it's definitely not first pick. Barrier Bones, Black 03 Defender, Skeleton Wall, when it enters the battlefield, surveil one. I only play it if I'm, like, super deep on Disinformation Campaign. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good card for that deck. Uh, Devarkin Dissident, it's a bear that you can pump five men into it to give it plus two, plus two until end of turn. It's yeah, not bad. Pretty good. Bear, it's not better than Healer's Hawk. Bear with upside late game. Uh, vicious Rumors. Black Sorcery Vicious Rumors deals one damage to each opponent. Each opponent discards a card, then posts the top card of their library in their graveyard. You gain one life. That's not great at all. It's the it's a really good card in two at a giant, I'll tell you that. Oh, that's gross, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gateway Plaza. The, the colorless, I guess you can call it gate, enters the battlefield tapped. When it enters the battlefield, sacrifice unless you pay one, and you add one mana of any color. Really good for fixing if you want to do that. Okay, now we have two more commons. I'm going to flip. So our last one is Undercity Uprising. Or no, second last one is Undercity Uprising. Two, it's a two black and a green sorcery. Creatures you control gain death touch on end of turn. Then target creature you control fights target creature you don't control. Uh, Golgari is not the greatest in draft. I mean, I like having one of these in Golgari because it helps you feel, feel your undergrowth and then it makes your opponent's blocks miserable. Oh, for sure. And especially if like they're like, okay, maybe I, I'm good here with this one blocker and you can just be like, bah, nope. But oh, exactly. here's here's something. To, so, so far we're looking at Healer's Hawk, but I have one that might fight it depending on your personal preference. Sure. Deadweight. Okay. I'm not as high on Deadweight in this format as other people are. Okay. It's very good. But it too often I just I keep looking at this dead weight and wishing it was something else. It's fair. And dead weight, by the way, is the one black. It's the black uh, one, just one black pip enchantment or enchanted creature gets minus two, minus two. Uh, so looking like we're leaning, it kind of accidentally popped a card up here. We got a couple demir cards. So house guild mage. It's the demir guild mage. Uh, blue black two two uh, one in a blue tap. Target creature gain does not untap during its controller's next untap step, or you can play two and a black to surveil two when tapping. It's very powerful, but I'd probably take um, Deadweight over it, and I'm taking Healer's Hawk over Deadweight. Okay. So. Can I talk you into Thought Erasure? It's the blue and a uh, black sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it. That player discards it, and you surveil one. Still on Healer's Hawk. Fair, fair. Uh, you're probably not going to take this one. Wanda Vertebra. It's the one, oh. the one mana artifact. Tap top, tap to put the top card of your library into your graveyard. Tune tap, exile Wanda Vertebrae. Shuffle up to five target cards from your graveyard into your library. That's kind of if you're Dirtle Control only. No, not into it. Okay, we have a Mythic. That's good. How do you feel about Mnemonic Betrayal? So that's the one, mm. the one blue-black sorcery with a wall of text. It reads, exile all cards from all opponents' graveyards. You may cast those cards this turn. And you may spend mana as though it were mana of any type to cast those spells. 
At the beginning of the next end step, if any of those cards remain exiled, return them to their owner's graveyards. Exile Mnemonic Betrayal. Well, I think I'm still taking Healer's Hawk out of this pack. Yeah, right? Like, the very first card, and it's like, ooh, yeah. Now, Mnemonic Betrayal, like, I'll tell you this. The sheer amount of blue-black, you're, you're probably, if you're looking at this pack, there's only one other white card. There's only one red card in this pack. There's one green card, a Golgari card, and everything else is black and or blue-black. Yep. So you can take a Healer's Hawk and probably hope to wield the color of the culprit. Yep. Which might be the thing. Yeah. But yeah, definitely taking Healer's Hawk, though. Yeah, I think so. It's just... It's honestly just the best card, and I mean, there are some very powerful Demir cards like House Skilled Mage, but and normally I don't want Thought Erasure in my decks unless I'm heavy into Surveil. True. Now, with this set, how have you been handling the fact that like usually you don't want to go gold card early on, but we are in a gold set? For me, I, I don't value it that highly, because like in a normal set, depending on what the gold card is, I, w- I will take it if it's high enough power level. Like, if it's a Planeswalker, like, if I open a Teferi in Dominaria Draft, I'm taking the Teferi. Oh, yeah. Because I'm, if I get the chance to play it, then my deck's going to be insane. Yeah, I'm taking it for Asuka um, for sure in this set. Yeah, Heck, I'll take, a, I'll take a Rowl, even. Exactly. Um, but if you, but instead, you know, if I want to look at, you know, just drafting this set, like, I will take a very powerful gold card. Um, I'll be less inclined to take one of the, like, uh, CCDD cards, like Crackling Drake or um, Conclave Cavalier first. Um, but I would take, like, a... Like a hypothesisal first, or I would take a uh, what's another good example? Like Skynet Legionnaire first. Yeah, I would. Def- Disinformation campaign. Oh yeah, disinfo is really strong first pick. I would because that just be like, all right, I'm just gonna take everything with surveil on it. The um, I would of the CCDDs, I would probably take the uh, Night Vale Predator. I would take a Crackling Drake, then Night Vale Predator. Yeah, those are those are like the two best ones, like. True Fire Captain's lower because it's 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 it doesn't have as high of impact, and then you have Conclave Cavalier and uh, and Golgari Fine Broker. Yeah, um, Cavalier is annoying. Like if you fi- if you run into a Selesnya deck that has one of those, it's you're probably gonna have a bad time unless you're packing things like Lava Coil, um, and then Fine Broker can also be equally annoying. They're, like, they're all very good. Yeah, but they're not, like power level wise, definitely the other one. But like leading on them is a lot harder to do. Because you're so less likely to cast them. Yeah, it's something you want to maybe look a couple. You, you kind of look for those of like you're forgetting like third or fourth pick. It's kind of like your sign. Okay, hey, maybe this guild might be open coming from that direction. That's oh, usually yeah, absolutely. that's usually where you want to like be like, oh, if I'm getting this this CCDD card, this guild is probably open. Mm-hmm. Like when you're about fourth or fifth pick in. Like I mean, if I see a third pick Conclave Cavalier, I might just try to go into Slesnia so I can play that card because that card's bonkers. Yeah. Same thing with Crackling Drake. Oh, for sure. So, all right, that's about it for UMA and we a little bit of guilds talk. So, yeah. John. Yes. Title of the episode: The Final RPTQ. Walk yeah. us through that. Yeah. So the next RPTQ for me is coming up here on Sunday up in uh, Madison, Tennessee at uh, the Next Level Games, and format is modern. So I've been, you know, like running through Storm. I haven't played it in as many leagues as I would have liked, but I have a lot of reps under my belt from previously. And right now, I'm just trying to figure out and try to distill the exact 75 that I want to play with. I mean, um, you went all distracted boyfriend meme on it. You're like. Tries to play regular storm deck. Ooh, distracted by weird something like that. Yeah, but storm. I mean, there's there's not without reason for it. So um, the field that I'm kind of expecting, and some of the other people locally are expecting, uh, they're expecting three of at least these decks, probably more. And the decks are humans, spirits, Tron, uh, blue white X control or Jeskai control, uh, black green X mid range, or and is it Phoenix or Phoenix decks in general. Um, yeah, Phoenix is, also, seems like it's going to get really popular after this past weekend. Yeah, he also he also put Storm on on the, his list as well. Did you mention so, Hardened Scales at all, or you don't see that uh, around he, your he area? Did, he, he didn't mention Hardened Scales. There are a couple people who play it, um, but also for as far as I'm concerned with Hardened Scales, I, it's it's a fairly straightforward matchup in the sense that if I'm on the play, I should win the game, especially if I can set up for a turn three kill. Yeah, you guys are, you guys are kind of ships any, in the night at that point, right? 
Exactly. Um, and then sideboarding, it doesn't get easier for them, and it gets way easier for me. Like, yes, they get things like Dampening Sphere, but I get a Braid, and a Braid is just insane against them. So there's a little bit of those, and so I've been kind of looking at my sideboard, tilting it towards those towards those style of decks. And um, one of the issues is, you know, you only have 75 cards to play with. Yeah. You know, and you only have 15 cards in your sideboard. The, and The classic modern problem. The classic modern problem. And uh, for two of those decks that I expect to see a lot of humans and spirits, um, one of the best cards against them is Thing in the Ice. Because Thing in the Ice is just insane. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Thing in the Ice is a 1 in the blue 04 Defender. It's a horror. Uh, it's also usually a 4 of in the Is It Ar- Arclight Phoenix decks in Modern. Oh, yeah. Uh, it enters the battlefield with 4 ice counters. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you remove an ice counter. And then if there are none, you transform it into a Woken Horror which is a 7-8 that says when it, when it transforms into a Woken Horror, return all non-horrors to their owner's hands. Um, so in the Is It Phoenix decks, you know, you keep all your other you keep all your other um, thing in the ices. Um, and in this case, I have a 7-8, and none of humans or spirits creatures are big enough. They're just not. 7-8 uh, can also apply huge pressure on, a, on like, blue-white control, or even black-green it can. Um and so trying to find slots for that card is difficult because, you know, again, you you need certain slots for certain certain things. But I came across a Reddit thread today, and I've pl- already played the deck once in a league, where um, instead of playing kind of the Caleb Sharer 75, where you're playing, you know, seven creatures that reduce your costs, uh, remand, repeal, unsubstantiate, everything else, you take out the repeal and the remand, and then you play two copies of Pieces of the Puzzle main deck, which is normally a sideboard card. And Pieces is uh, two and a blue for a sorcery. You reveal the top five cards of your library. You may choose two instant or sorceries from among them to put into your hand and put the rest in your graveyard. So this is a hedge towards people playing main deck hate. Uh, earlier, or it was either earlier this week or late last week, uh, Riley Knight, famous uh, on being on uh, Magic coverage for GPs and Pro Tours, he put, wrote an article for, for Channel Fireball where he started advocating for blue-white control decks playing main deck copies of Rest in Peace, which I had seen pop up about a month ago in 5.0 deck lists on Magic Online, where there's a blue-white control deck that had three main deck Rest in Pieces, and where it's like, I don't want to lose to Dredge, I don't want to lose to Phoenix, I don't want to lose to your graveyard shenanigans, so I'm just going to put my Rest in Pieces up front. Yeah, that, and- that seems like a very strong play especially given the fact that phoenix just won recently one of the things that has been bad or one of the not bad just been kicking butt was the resurgence of dredge Mm -hmm. so so like right now there is a lot of graveyard hate rolling running around there's just a ton of it lots of rest in pieces a lot of ley lines of the void a lot of surgical extractions and the like and so, and you make life easily easily hard for a KCI mm-hmm, if exactly. you happen to run so up I, against that as a control player. Yeah, and so this person's deck, their sideboard was also very different from mine because you know they play in a very different metagame. Um, like they were playing engineered explosives, which has been in and out of storm sideboards, uh, usually mostly out, but occasionally it'll find like a one of in the sideboard at, at some points in time. Um, but the sideboard that I'm testing with this configuration is two pieces of the puzzle. One Echoing Truth, one Wipe Away, one Giga Drowse, two copies of Thing in the Ice, one copy of Dismember, two copies of Lightning Bolt, two copies of Abrade, two copies of Empty the Warrens, and then one copy of Flame Slash. Uh, Flame Slash Dismember being the Caleb Shearer attack because uh, Lightning Bolt is embarrassing against spirits because Supreme Phantom is a 1-3. So if they put two Supreme Phantoms into play, you can't bolt them. Yeah, that deck is... So speaking of that, I know... Uh... Brandon Dalloway, who is an SCG player who has basically is become the person I look to for any kind of like tips and tricks with the Grixis Death Shadow deck list. He does a great job with it all. He was saying, whatever you do, just, just don't board in your anger or your uh, sweltering sun if you have it in your list for some reason. If you go that route, don't board it in against spirits. It, you're just embarrassing yourself. Yeah, it it's amazing how quickly the spirits the spirits get big, big toughnesses. And that's not even counting things like Drog Skull Captain being able to give hexproof to all the other spirits. And especially if they assemble the lock where they get double Drog Skull Captain, you just can't win. Um, if you're trying to go that route, to try to interact on that on that axis. 
Um, which is why I think this player was playing empty was playing uh, engineered explosives because Storm can definitely play it on three, and then you just pop it for three. You kill all the lords, you kill all their spell quellers, and then you just leave them with like supreme phantasm, Osley of Wanderers. You got to really kind of whittle down their yeah their protection and lord hot. stuff. Um, yeah, and so but dismember, you know, being able to give minus five minus five is really really key in these in these types of areas. Especially because with a Brawl in play or an Electromancer in play, I can play Dismember for free. It's just pay for life, pay zero mana, kill a thing. Oh, that's gross. And it's amazing in the mirror because if you – let's say I win game one and I play the mirror and I bring in Dismember. If my opponent goes turn two, dude, and I go turn two, dude, on my turn still, Dismember your dude. Blech. It, Yeah, it's very, very good. And especially in those circumstances, like I was doing a test match a couple weeks ago against Bant Spirits, and it was posted board. I went for a Gifts Ungiven. They had the Spell Queller, and then I'm like, cool. Uh, you know, still on your end step, I'm going to dismember your Spell Queller for free, and then cast Gifts Ungiven again. Yeah. It's it's very much a, a very powerful card, especially with a with a creature in play for Storm. Um, it's, it's just bananas, is what it is. Um, and so... And then Flame Slash again, it's a red, deal four damage to a creature. Um, and it's mainly there as a hedge for Meddling Mage, because it has a different name. So if my opponent goes Meddling Mage and they go, oh, I'm going to name Lightning Bolt so you can't kill this one, then I can just Flame Slash it instead. Um, and so that's why that sideboard is the way it is. Uh, I just played it through a league before we recorded. I lost to Humans. Um, that one wasn't really close to being close. I may have made a couple misplays here and there in game one and game two. Uh, game two, I wiped their board and then they followed up with a Gaddick Teague and I had, I had two gifts and given stuck in my hand that I couldn't cast. Um, and then I played against, uh, what was the, what was the next thing I played against? It was, oh God, it was something else. Oh no, it was, uh, Naya Burn that was playing main deck Dryad Militant, which isn't the end of the world, but they still killed me thanks to Gorklan Rampager. Um, which is a four green red for a four four trample, but it has blood rush for blue for green and red. Discard this card. Target attacking creature gets plus four plus four and trample, and I died. Ooh. Um, and then in game two I lost to Atarkas Command, which is going to happen. Atarkas Command in this economy. I know, right? I actually made that joke on Twitter like a week and a half ago oh, about wow. someone playing Burn. I was like, Ooh, who's playing that these days? I I guess some people are. I mean, it it does a lot of things. Uh, then I lost to uh, Eight Rack because that matchup is terrible. Uh, then I got paired against Hardened Scales, and um, I lost the match because I lost game one because I was trying to do something on my opponent's end step, and I think I may have either accidentally hit F three when I didn't mean to, which makes me just want me to remove that key binding from my moto at all because I wanted to do, I wanted to go ritual gifts ungiven on their end step and then kill them on my turn. Which didn't happen, and I just died. Um, and then I played against a five-color Fist of the Suns deck, playing all green shock lands, Birds of Paradise, Arbor Elf, and trying presumably to cast uh, like Embercools for five mana. Huh. Which is adorable, but not really viable when your opponent's not wanting to interact that much at all. Like most of modern is basically, right? Yeah, I mean, also, it didn't help them that I had a turn where I managed to give... They had three lands in play, two birds and an arbor elf, and they played a Fist of the Suns. And then they played a Windswept Heath. Um, and then I went Ritual, Grape Shot, your team, and then next turn, killed them. So Nice. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm still going to try out this configuration because if I'm expecting more main deck hate, like, Tron isn't going to leave home without its Relic of Predator and Assises. Yeah, relic, Relics are going to be there for all the time. I don't know if there's anybody in the local area or anyone who's coming to this who's going to play main deck Rest in, piece, rest in Pieces, but I want to be prepared for it. I want to be able to, you know, not be surprised when my opponent goes turn two rip. So, and then also, if I'm playing against Black Green, um, like the Golgari, the Jun decks, then having main deck... Um, Pieces of the puzzle is a really good way of being able to dig out of if there's if they go hand attack path like you know Inquisition thought sees Liliana, I just go pieces of the puzzle get two spells into my hand, <clears throat> dump a bunch of other stuff in my graveyard and then maybe set up later for a turn where I can go land a land a barrel ritual ritual pass in flames and then go off in that in that way. So 
Yeah. And the Phoenix Texas are, ju- are just going to be it's, it's going to be a race, I'm pretty sure. So we'll see how we'll see how it goes. I'm still trying out certain things here. I'm still debating whether I want to play uh, Shattering Spree um, because if I'm expecting a lot of Chalice of the Voids, then uh, Shattering Spree is going to be pretty good. Um, I don't think I'm going to play Ignite Memories. That card was bad, and it feels ba- it should feel bad. Um, yeah, it's just it's just trying to figure out the final the final edges, the final little sharpening of making sure that my storm deck is the best one that I'm presenting for the weekend. Yeah. And that's one thing, especially these tournaments, it really, really helps if you happen to know like exactly what you want to do yeah. with your deck and was, and knowing the area around you is really going to be key for that kind of thing. Like if you went to a PPTQ and try to go to RPTQ in an area, you might not be very much aware of just trying to spike a tournament. People who are more local and know who's going to be at that RPTQ are going to have a leg up on you. Uh, oh, yeah. And another thing um, that I uh, that I neglected to mention is that uh, Paul, um, I forget his last name. His Twitter his Twitter handle is like Paul Frodo. Um, or, he got, what, what was his last name? Uh, I forget his name, last name, but I've played, I'm pretty sure he, the SCG kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've, play, he, I've, he I've played against him at a SCG Philly. In a yeah. side event, yeah, he got seventeenth uh, at this at this open, uh, playing storm, and he played six creatures plus Noxious Revival, um, and Noxious Revival hadn't been in the main deck for for a little bit from Caleb's side of things, and I do really like Noxious Revival. Um, the six bears is a little concerning because the reason why you play the seven creatures is to accelerate your speed so that you have a, so that you are it's easier to find your pieces. Whereas if you have six bears plus Noxious Revival, it enables the turns where you have no creatures in play to get a creature. Where I go, Gifts Ungiven for Baral, Electromancer, Noxious Revival, and then something else. And then if you give me Noxious Revival, then I get a creature. If you give me the creatures, that's what I wanted anyways. I carry on with my turn and kill you the next turn. So Yeah, it's Paul Mueller. Mueller, Mueller that's yeah. right. And uh, he, he was actually back – he's a Storm player. So he's traditionally yes. he plays Storm a lot, so – so I was really I really liked his main deck, um, and I was and I was thinking about trying that out as well to see kind of how it feels because I mean the seven creatures no Noxious Revival I found to be a little lacking because there's games where I'll have a, a Gifts Ungiven in hand and I want to go get a creature, but if I go get the creatures I have no guarantee of them being put into my hand. You, you so, need to grab and, like three of them, and that's just like wasting your gifts. Well, I can't even grab three of them. All right. Different names. Because Gifts and Given yeah, yeah, different, different names. names yeah. yeah. Now, if Wizards were to print another, a third creature that had a different name that has the same effect. Yeah, okay. I'm looking at you, Wizards. <laughs> yeah, okay. Help, help a man out here, then then we would be able to have something here. Granted, they're not going to print one while Goblin Electromancer is legal and standard, but, you know. They could just do it for me. It's okay. I mean, we've, we've technically here, not. Here, Wizards. Wizards. Wizards employees, sh- shut your ears or pause the podcast for the next minute or so, because I'm going to tell you my invitational card. <laughs> one red, uh, three one, human wizard, uh, instant sorcery two control cost one less. Was it one in a red or just red? One in a red. Yeah. One in the red, three one. Make it a swift claw? Yeah. That's fair. All right, wizard employees, you're be- you can come back now. <laughs> so that way we got the whole like one three two two three one. Exactly. I like it. Granted, Granted, a one three would be good too, but you know. Anyways, no, it, it's um, the synergy or the symmetry. Synergy, symmetry, not synergy. Exactly. Wow, go me. But no, that's but that's what that's what that would need in order for gifts and given to truly become just busted. Um, yeah, they're not going to do that. <laughs> they could. You don't know. I mean, we'd have to wait. Like what? I would say we we got Electrum. We'd have to wait. We'd have to wait another two years. Yeah, we got Electromancer. We have to wait for Goblin Electromancer to leave. Yeah, we got Electromancer when Brawl left. So yeah. that's gonna be but, that's gonna be a hot minute. And who knows where Modern's gonna be at in two years? That is correct. But that that's where I'm at again. Just it's just it's just you know pruning, tweaking, sh- figuring out exactly what I want the seventy five to look like. Yeah, and for a lot of other players, I know you said you wanted to jam more games. Usually, it is just getting on line or with friends having a you know a modern gauntlet or just finding every last possible modern event during the week in your area because you know you might have a couple game store if you ha- if you have the 
fortuitous circumstance of having multiple game stores near you, they probably don't run the same format on every night. So you might have a place I mean, that I has... I know what I'm doing tomorrow night. There might be a place that has Modern Wednesday. There might be a place that has Modern on Thursdays. So you can do two nights in a row. Yep. And then maybe, you know, just find a local bunch of people who are like, hey, I want to get together in a shop and jam some Modern. So You got it. Or there's always magic online. If you want to just... There is always magic Burn online. tickets. <laughs> <laughs> just th- chucking them at that. I laugh, but yeah, seriously. No, 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 yeah, no. I'm I, I burning tickets. I mean, just joining leagues and just testing things out like that. You have to mm. like, you have to sink some cost into it with time and money if you're doing that route with Magic Online. Granted, you can test a lot quicker with that than a four round, you know, nighttime event at your LGS. Yeah, because you're gonna be like, all right, well, I just did Monday Monday night. Now let me go fix the sideboard for Tuesday. Get four games into that, and when you can just go online and be like, let me just jam through like five leagues. Like you said, you started the leagues uh, two, three hours before we started recording and jammed through an entire yep. league in two and a half hours. So, yep. and we're able to write in your side of the show notes. So, yep. It's big. It's definitely. It also helps playing Storm. Like if I was playing Control, that would not have happened. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, this is all stemming, like I said, the last RPTQ, thanks to the. Organized play announcement. Upcoming change, which is happening soon, I hope. Yeah. Speaking of organized play, though, brief a brief aside, uh, we are going to get in two days' time. So on Thursday night, during the, the Game Awards, they're going to be having a big announcement for Magic Arena. Uh, yeah, it's an Arena organized play announcement to try to talk about how playing Arena can either, I'm assuming, either feed into or get its own sort of tournament circuit. Yeah, or um, perhaps provide some sort of, yeah, basically through its ladder system that already kind of has semi-implemented, just really grinding down on like that being the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm also kind of hoping that they're like, hey, it's coming out on iOS soon, because like, that's top of my wish list before even an organized play kind of thing. is like, I just want to be able to know when it's going to come on iOS. Yeah. Now, I know people have mentioned the issue with phone sizes, and I know people, also wizards, have said, I don't know who it was or where I saw this, but they were concerned about transporting the magic experience over to a cell phone with a 5-inch screen, which is very small, hard to read, and all that kind of thing like that. And I know there have been some apps on my iPod, or iPad, I should say, that are locked to, uh, what's it called? tablet only Mm -hmm. so it'll detect your hardware if it's an ipad or an iphone you're on i mean i would honest i think android has similar capabilities just make it okay detect your screen size bam or detect your hardware and just have it locked out of that kind of thing so yeah i i would hope that it comes portable because we talked about this with another episode where all these other card games and stuff have the ability to be played on multiple things so but we'll see thursday night we'll talk about it briefly next week for sure yeah or actually depending on if it's a major part of the organized play we'll probably talk more about it yeah so we'll see like I, I hope i hope it's me giving good news about the rptq but you never know i mean we don't have to talk the entire episode about no, uh, not not the rptq i'm saying about organized play like it'll definitely no, we'll definitely lead the show at least with organized play yeah hopefully now, hopefully we're talking about how you you got that rbtq good finish so fingers crossed that's the hope at least may you storm them out may you may you not face men. many hate cards i need to go buy the platonic ideal of a raincoat <laughs> what so uh i joke I, i've been joking that if i ever go to the pro tour and I ever top eight the pro tour and i'm playing storm or like a gp or whatever i need to get the platonic ideal of a raincoat so close your eyes yeah. picture a raincoat yeah what does it look like it's the gordon fisherman's raincoat yeah big yellow hood whole nine yards yeah so if i ever top eight a pro tour or a gp or whatever i'm going to wear a raincoat that's the platonic ideal of a raincoat or you could just wear a poncho no, Sonic Ideal of a raincoat's way better. I mean, fair. But still, Anyways, in a pinch, a poncho will do. In a pinch, a poncho will do. That is true. Um, if it's raining, you'd rather have the poncho than nothing. You're not wrong. <laughs> not Now, there wrong. was another piece of news um, that's not really news, but Artifact came out. 
Yeah, speak, speaking and, of other games in the sphere that are probably going to have releases on other platforms eventually. Yeah, so have you have you played Artifact? I have not. The All right, so okay. I will say this right off the top. This is going to be you <laughs> because yeah. my brief exposure to Artifact was standing in line during PAX West at a booth to basically get a Star Wars pin or Star Trek pin that just happened to be right next to the artifact booth. So I got to spend about 30 minutes, 40 minutes watching their big giant screens. I had no idea what the heck was going on. (laughs) So the TLDR is that artifact is very complicated. It is very complex. There are more moving pieces in artifact than there are in magic. That's, that's basically the complaint. And I say that kind of questiony, like it's it's the it's the one dig that magic players have on it is I feel like I'm playing multiple games at the same time. It's either a dig or it's a benefit, depending on where you you, you lie on that oh, line of for sure. how how complexity matters. Oh yeah, because some people are like, because I love like, this complexity. Other people are like, whoa, that is way too much at once for me. Like Yo Larson won there at first big first big tournament. Yeah. And um, former Pro Tour champion. Like yeah. Sounds right up there, kind of right up his alley. So, like I said, yeah. I just want to say right off the bat, not judging. Oh, also, art art in it is pretty nice. The art is very because good. they it has do have magic artists yeah, who do Magali's in there. Yep, um, there's a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is the Richard Garfield game produced, produced and published by Valve. Um, and so, in Artifact, there are four colors: blue, black, red, and green. And there's a color pie like there is in Magic and like in Eternal where different colors do bit better things, di- different things better. But the entirety of the game is that it's it's a Dota card game, Duels of the Ancients, which is a MOBA. And so following the lines of MOBA, you have five heroes and you have three lanes. And the game ends if you when you destroy three of your opponent's towers and there's one t- – or two of your opponent's towers and there's a tower in each lane for both you and your opponent. And then you can also win if you destroy an ancient tower, which if you destroy one tower, then another tower spawns in its place with more health. Um, and so when you're playing cards, uh, at, the beginning of the, at the beginning of the turn, you'll start on one lane, and then you'll ho- head over to the next lane, and then you'll head over to the next lane, and then the turn ends. And then at the beginning of each turn, you draw two cards, and then the cycle continues. Your heroes dictate what cards you can play. So as an example, there's a card called Annihilation, which is a six-cost blue spell. Oh, by the way, each tower, each each lane has its own mana. So, and they all have the same amount of mana. They all start at three, and then they go up by one each turn. So it's kind of like the uh, Hearthstone. Hearthstone-esque in that sense, but... Up, yeah. Yeah, but if I want to play Annihilation, which is essentially a Wrath of God, and it costs six mana... I need a blue hero in the lane I want to play it. So I have to put a hero there. Now your heroes, when they die, they go to what's called the fountain. And then basically they come back in two turns and you can put them in whatever lane you want, which then will unlock your spells of trying to play that of whatever spells you want of those colors. Gotcha. Um, blue and black heroes tend to be a little weaker um, on average, but they have stronger abilities. And then the spells in those colors can also tend to be stronger. Like I said, blue has Annihilation. Uh, it has Wrath of God. The red and green heroes are beefier and harder to kill, and then their spells tend to be a little weaker. Um, but then they also have other areas where they're better, like they are better at building improvements or they're better at p- playing weapons or whatever it may be. They ha- it sounds like they have a little bit more of an edge in terms of kind of a board state. Exactly. They, they're they're, the they're, they're, more, playing, better they're a- more better playing with permanence, whereas the blue-black is kind of spell-based. In some way, yeah. There, there are nuances there. Like, I'm being very simplistic. Like, if I wanted to actually, I don't even think I'm good enough to go over the entirety of what it is. Like, I've played a couple of the start their starter decks. I've done one of the Phantom Drafts, which, by the way, if you sign up, you get infinite Phantom Drafts. For at least people to check it out. Oh! Yeah, for, like, ca- well, casual Phantom Drafts. Yeah, so-, so that you can just keep playing and playing, and you don't win anything. But it gets you more comfortable with the interface and gets you more comfortable with the gameplay before you decide to spend your money on the event tickets, which then you can earn packs. Now, that actually, that actually is a really interesting way to handle onboarding people as opposed to – let me run you through some – I'm sure they have some sort of a – what's it called? They, ha- guided, they have a new player experience. Yeah, guided walkthrough kind of thing. But also, yeah. 
even if that's not enough, you can still go actually play against other people to get comfortable with things. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, oh, one yeah. thing too, I it's got a really wonky, and I do know this about Artifact. It's got an, a wonky online uh, economy system that yeah, goes that so... filters through. It filters through the Steam store, but yes, it's one of those yeah, things you... that you could potentially get a starter deck and open some quote unquote money cards, and you could probably just be like, I don't like this. Just sell off your stuff and be like, I'm out. Yeah. You can either recycle your cards for event tickets, which helps you enter new events, or you can sell your cards for money. Um, The most expensive card, I believe, is the Red Hero Axe, who last I saw was about $19. Huh. Okay. And there's only like 310, 301 total cards in the entirety of the of the game right now because again they just launched so it's not like there's a million cards and then of course these costs change by rarity and by desire for the metagame or whatever it is Um, sounds like another game i know of hmm (laughs) apparently uh the metagame the competitive level metagame is kind of stale apparently uh i haven't actually played too much constructed um well, but I mean, it, it is it, they're, if they're coming in as a new game with a semi a sort of limited card pool so far, or yeah, card and ability pool. Yeah, I mean, I can see where it'd be like that a little bit. You really need to kind of go ham on getting just a, a critical mass of introductory yeah. thing. But at the same token, it's kind of nice for these people to get in on the ground floor of things. I know a lot of Magic players like Yul Larson, uh, they kind of wrote off the initial hearthstone wave and some people have kind of regretted missing that initial first spike Mm -hmm. i know brian kibler wrote it to where he is currently sitting in the hearthstone world as one of their top streamers in terms of like personality and does all sorts of broadcasting for them because he had the love the the timing wasn't great in terms of uh, magic online version 4 coming out and also yeah, and also Kibler losing at that uh, online PTQ where it crashed in his last event or his last game, yeah. wipe nullifying the event basically. Yeah. So that was a couple strikes, and then he just happened to hit it time. Some so some Magic players are hoping maybe I can get in on Artifact. And hey, you know what? Uh, I mean, there is a million dollar turn. Uh-huh. Also, uh, for this year for Artifact. Yeah, PV uh, Pablo Vito Domodorosa wrote a article kind of to help onboard a little bit magic players to be like hey if you play magic here's kind of like a equation thing and i know some other pro players specifically lsv i know because i was watching a stream when he was talking about it it was like yeah i even looked at it i'm like yeah i don't know if it's for me yeah it's it is a lot Uh, to be fair (laughs) Luis has to know about another game too yeah i mean a Luis designs eternal which by the way they have a new set coming out. Uh, don't know when. It's probably sometime in the next couple of weeks. And they just announced, and they previously announced their organized play. And the first uh, qualification, their first big tournament this weekend. And if you qual, and if you get the, to the finals, you qualify for their world championships uh, at the end of next year. Yeah. So there's a lot of other card game type things coming out, but so. Is Artifact, John, John, for you, or is Artifact something that you feel like you want to maybe give it a little more time for you personally and maybe I've, jam some so more games I, and stuff to see if you really kind of where you settle on what your personal opinion is of it? So I love board games. I like I love board games a lot. I, I, and, I'm, and I play some very complicated board games. Like I've played um, Scythe. I love Scythe. Scythe's one of my favorite board games. I've played Axis and Allies. A little bit, a little too much for me. Um, and I've played a bunch of other ones. I played Pandemic Legacy. I've played. I I love board games. And Artifact to me feels more like a board game than a card game. And so far, every time I've approached Artifact, I've been thinking of it as a card game. And I think the next time I sit down to play it, which will probably be after this RPTQ, um, will be me thinking about it as a board game instead. Um, Pretty fair. And that's. I think that's my my point of comparison for this is. Um, I know that Randy Bueller's been playing a lot of it. He's actually been streaming it as well. Now, and he said that he's gotten to the point where he's really enjoying the gameplay of it. Now, to be fair with Randy, if, if so, for those of our listeners who don't really know Randy's pedigree in terms of not, we're not going to talk about Magic because, dude, he goes to a competitive board gaming convention every year yeah, and like multiple, wins it almost every multiple year. Multiple 
of these things. Uh, basically where they have multiple games rolling and you can schedule yourself into certain games. And depending on if you win, you'll get a certain amount of points for it. So like you even have to metagame the games you play to get points that go towards you winning the tournament, which is weird. Yeah. But you know what? Having been to PAX Unplugged this weekend and seeing all these insane board games that people have out there, and yeah, there are some creative people out there when it comes to those kind of things. I, I don't doubt them. So board game at Matt or card game, not board or board game, not card game kind of thing seems like an actually kind of interesting thing, especially given what I do know about Dota and the different lanes and stuff like that, where you're managing a wider set. I just think it, uh, so spectator wise, yeah. they, they might need to introduce some sort of way to, you know, kind of have a spectator mode for it, I guess, where you can see all the states of the board at one time. Do you think? It's so all right. So in the normal view, when you you can you can double click the you can double click the board to view all three lanes, but then you're really zoomed out and you can't do the hover as well to like see what different creep what the, the different creeps are, the different min heroes are, or whatever. Yeah. And so you have to zoom in as well, and it's because at some point you're going to sit down and you're going to um you know figure out what's going like I don't know. It's just. As a spectator sport, I don't know if it's going to get there because Hearthstone is basically the line as far as accessible card games to be able to view. Uh, Arena's getting close to that, but Artifact, I think, is just a bridge too far. Like, again, like, the way, again, the way I see it is it's not a card game. It's a, it's a board game. And if you want to, if you are, if you're into watching competitive board games, I think that's, that Artifact is a better idea because there's so much you have to keep in, in keep into your, in track in your head. More so than magic is. Fair. So, I think it can get there. I think that you know it. It's Valve. It's the company that's made that's made one game every like ten years. It feels like. So it. I mean, their last. I think it'll. You're get not there. wrong. Their last major like really big game push that they put was like Portal Two. Yeah, essentially. And then it was the Orange Box. Yeah. Yeah. So. So we'll see. Oh no! Oh yeah, Portal Two. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, that sounds. Yeah, it was Portal Two because original Portal was in the Orange Box. Mm-hmm. Which was had Half Life Two, Chapter Two, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, it's uh, look, I'm just appreciative that we've gotten to a point in the digital game space where we can have all of these different games where people who kind of hate on oh you Hearthstone blah 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 or Magic blah blah, it's like dude, just if a person likes it, just let them go like it. Yeah, I'm not gonna hate you if you like Artifact. Yeah. I'm not gonna hate you if you like Hearthstone. It's just, yep. you know, sometimes things aren't for you and that's okay. Yep, definitely. Especially some of the board games I was looking at this weekend. I'd look at it and be like, yeah, no. Just quick quick glance at that. No idea what's going on. Some games you can look at and be like, okay, I get what it is just by looking at it. Exactly. So, so we'll see. So if you are yeah. interested in trying that kind of thing out, go for it. John, how much did it cost, by the way? It's 20 bucks. 20 bucks? Seems decent. 20 bucks and you get the, you get 10 packs, you get the two intro decks, you get and you get enough event tickets. By the way, the event tickets and the packs you get are enough to do a real draft. So maybe don't open your packs. No, there you go. But draft instead. Oh, so it's what, 10 packs to a draft? Uh, it's five packs to a draft. Oh, okay. It's five packs to a draft. Uh, there's 12 cards in every pack. Um, is it, eight, is and it you choose, asynchronous or live? It's asynchronous. Okay. And you choose two cards out of every pack. Okay. And, uh, and you always have to choose a hero in a pack when you see it. But and then once you take a hero out of a pack, you can't take any future heroes in that pack. It's really weird, um, but it is a it's a very interesting oh, so, way to yeah, play. Yeah, so if you so if you're presented with a pack that has three heroes in it, you pick one of those heroes as one of your two cards. Okay, every 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 pack has one hero. Okay, so every so let's say I open a pack and there's a hero, and then there's and then there's eleven other cards, which are spells, creeps, oh, you're, or you're, the you're talking items. like the kind of draft round. You pick one. Exactly. Oh, okay. If 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 I pick a hero and then I pick another unit, then those go to my pool, and then the next pack gets passed to me. If there's a hero in that pack, I can't choose that. This is grayed out. Okay. Yes. Cool. Got it. You you see what the hero is, so you know what you missed out on, but you can't select. Yeah, them. yeah. So you kind of so oh that adds a nice little strategic wrinkle to it, kind yeah. of where it's like you have to. Okay, maybe I might take this one, but if I do, I might lock myself out of something down the road. Yeah. Cool. So, 
Check it out. Anyways, if, if that if that tickles your fancy, check it out. Yeah. Oh, Ian. actually, before I, before oh. we start on the closing thing, speaking of card games, and I didn't mention this about PAX Unplugged, I tried Keyforge this weekend. Oh, how was it? It was interesting. So I feel like I need to – I only played one game of it. Um, okay. And we were trying – so my hotel group, who turns out – and I now have a new local board game group. Hooray. Um, thanks to Magic Known Associates that I have that I got into this group with them and then – Turns out they live within 30, 40 minutes of me. Hey. Uh, so, yeah, it's interesting. We tried, So we tried doing – our group went to the area downstairs where they had the competitive games. And they were supposed to have at 10 a.m. on Saturday, I think it was. Sunday. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to have a set time for learn to play. Mm-hmm. They did not anticipate how popular Keyforge was going to be. <laughs> and by when, by that I mean they're like we literally have like one of the people we we're talking to. Uh, she told us, yeah, we have like maybe three people here right now. They like our full staff doesn't come in until like isn't scheduled till like noon or one p.m. <laughs> and we are utterly swamped right now, and we might sell out of packs. They basically the dealer hall almost sold out on like the first day, and the only place to get them was the competitive place where you could buy two packs for twenty bucks. You were limited to two. Is it was ten dollars and forty cents. Per pack, I bought two. Which, by the way, people, if you don't know what Keyforged is, it's another Richard Garfield game, uh, except it's it's like Magic, but when you buy a deck, you can't replace the cards in the deck because the decks are set. Every deck is unique. So I, I just grabbed my pack real quick. So they have like the weird random generated names. You might have seen some of them are racist. Some of them are kind of weird. The one I got was MF Old Bibs of the Lying Ford. Yeah, no, sounds about yeah, accurate. So- it was kind of cool. Procedurally generated names. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's kind of interesting. There's you have like kind of like your one, I guess your hero card that kind of explains what your deck list is, but also tells you your houses. And you can only pick one house per turn and you draw at the end of your turn and everything. Oh, it's like a deck building yeah, game. Yeah, it's it. it's essentially kind of a deck building game. So you draw at the end step or your your end of your turn, you untap at the end of your turn. There's weird kind of exhaustion rules, uh, stealing things by you reap amber, and so it's. I felt like if we'd been able to, we had Keyforge podcast now, boys. Yeah, if we had, uh, <laughs> if we had been able to actually get that learn to play, it would have. I would have probably grokked the rules way quicker. It turns out they had yeah. a couple tables set up where they had like one or two people running around back and forth as like judge, be like judge. We have a rule interaction. We don't know what the heck goes on at this point of the game. You basically get three yeah. keys, flip them. It's it's fun. Uh, I would highly recommend, if you can get your hand on it, get the starter pack for it and not just the decks. They didn't have any of the starter boxes, which actually come with some of the little like cardboard punch-outs that you know represent like the tokens and the amber and the keys. So, And it actually has rule books where these the deck boxes are literally just the decks themselves. So it's interesting. I liked it. I definitely will play it again. And it was it once once it was flowing, it was fun. So yeah, there's even organized play for it now. Yeah, yeah. There's people who play competitive keyforge at my at one of the LGSs near here. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So it is. Anyways, Ian, uh, if people want to find you on the social medias to ask you all about your deep keyforge knowledge, <laughs> where should they do that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter, it's at DixonIJ. That's D I X O N I J. On Twitch, you can find me at Dix. It says just twitch.tv slash Dix, D-I-X. I did stream yesterday because I got a brand my TV in. Hooray! It's a nice 65-inch 4K. But I don't have work tomorrow. Uh, R.I.P. George H.W. Bush. Mm-hmm. So it's a technically a national holiday and day of remembrance. So I don't have work tomorrow. So I will probably be streaming. By the time you listen to this, it's probably already too late. Sorry, but... Expect magic. I have some Phoenix list I want to test out on standard. Magic. Just because it's hey. fun. Magic Arena has been great. I love it. I haven't played it. I haven't played it, it a whole lot, but like when I have played it, I loved it. That's so, John, funny. where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. That's J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. You can see me tweeting about my prep for the RPTQ and how Eternal brought Heroic as a mechanic to their new set. Yeah. Yeah. I liked Heroic. You can also find me. Yeah. It's, it's coming back. It'll make a comeback. 
Uh, you can, if you want to find me on Twitch, you can find me on Twitch at jyley129. That's jwiley129. Same as my Twitter handle. If you see me around in the chat room, don't hesitate to say hi. If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so one of two ways. You can either shoot us an email at eyesinthemise at gmail.com or you can shoot us up on Twitter at eyesinthemise. We would love to hear how we can best improve this podcast for you, our lovely listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. Mm-hmm.